how can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. On this week's show, we're going to be updating some of the betting odds in the MLB, kind of going over maybe some people that we think we've missed, maybe still some value out there, maybe some people we think there's not any value and they shouldn't be that high up there. We'll get to our shotgun six-pack as well. First things first, though, before we get into what we're drinking tonight, our throwback baseball stat of the week. Obviously, Albert Pujols was cut with the Angels uh, over the past week or so. So I think it just bears mentioning that Albert Pujols currently sitting on 667 home runs. I wish he could play another, you know, finish out this season and then maybe play one more and get to 700, but he's hitting under 200 this year. I don't know if that'll happen, but here's what's most amazing about Albert Pujols in his career, 667 home runs. He never hit more than 47 in a single season. You think of some of the all-time great home run hitters, whether it was Barry Bonds hitting 73 in a season or Mark McGuire putting up uh, him and Sammy Sosa the same season where they were going back and forth for the home run total or uh, the big year from whether it was Roger Maris or you go down the line, he never had one of those 60 home run seasons that we saw from Giancarlo Stanton or a 50 plus home run season that we saw from a guy like Ryan Howard in his same kind of era, but he still managed his way to 667. And I guess that's why they call him the machine because he was just so consistent. You know, the, uh, the carpet is out there. The, the red carpet can be un- unrolled here. Uh, there's one opportunity that just arose to give him a chance potentially to go past that 667 here. I don't know if you've seen the latest news. The day of this recording, we're doing this on Monday night, uh, May the 10th of the recording of this, and C.J. Crone was just put on the I.L., the 10-day I.L. What does that mean? Well, you have a Colorado Rockies team that has no chance at winning a division. So how are they going to get fans to their stadium? How about give Albert Pujols a chance to just swing for the fences every single at-bat at Coors Field and try to boost those numbers? It almost seems like it's written in the stars with this opportunity. I, I, I don't see how they don't do it. This might be my favorite idea you've ever had. And, like, I, though, I, I love this move because, like you said, they're bad. Get people there. And, okay, I get it. Like, Albert Pujols should pretty much only play DH right now because he can't really play defense. But who cares? 
They're like one of the worst teams in the MLB. So it accomplishes multiple things. You get people in the stands. The Rockies can still tank, get a higher draft pick, maybe go out and get, you know, whoever, I don't know, the 2022 MLB draft prospects yet. Get that top guy in that. And you get to appease the fans. And for Albert Pools, you get your playing time. And you're in the perfect hitting environment to try to get 700 home runs. I love this idea. It makes too much sense. I, if I'm Colorado right now, I, I'm calling Pujols' agent immediately and saying, hey, let's bring this guy aboard tomorrow. Uh, and honestly, the, the rule of thumb will be different with him. Instead of worrying about launch angle and everything, just tell Albert Pujols, go out there, try not to break a leg because whenever he runs, it looks painful. Uh, but ultimately just say, okay, you see dead center field, you see left field, that's where you're aiming for. You can hit 100 here. If that means that you're going to hit 30 tanks in the process, we don't care if it's 30 hits. If it's 30 hits that go over the fence, that's all that matters for you and for us. So yeah, let's go Colorado, make the move, make the calls now, or I'm going to do it for you. (laughs) By the way, he actually does have a steal this year. Do you know the last year that he was caught stealing? He did not attempt to steal in 2020, but every year besides 2020, he has attempted at least one steal. Do you know the last time he was caught stealing? He, he, it would have to be a time in which he attempted more steals. So I would have to go back probably to his time in St. Louis. So like 20, maybe 2009. It wasn't that long ago. It was with the Angels 2015. 2015. But, I mean, from 2016 till 2021, he has attempted, I believe, 12 steals and got there <laughs> every time. Wow. All right. What are you drinking tonight in, uh, I guess, honor of Albert Pujols? Well, if this is in honor of Albert Pujols, this is uh, probably not the most ideal way for him to go out. That means he's going to be going a blackout ending of his uh, MLB career. So what I have right now, I promised this a long time ago, and I have not followed through until today. I finally have followed through today. I am making a concoction uh, that I have kind of coined. This goes back to my days at TCU. It's called Fiji Juice. Um, and so I'm going to make it right here in front of you, Derek, actually, in fact. It so sounds like a hangover in a cup. I'm going to make it a little bit lighter than what I usually do, and that's still not saying a whole heck of a lot. So this is what happens. Throw fruit instead of ice. It will not make your drink less watered down. Instead, the fruit will actually absorb the vodka, which is what we're going to be using today. And then the combination is probably the weirdest part about all this because you probably have never heard this before. It's the closest thing you'll hear to sangria. So it's a mix of just regular Smirnoff vodka. And we also have a rosé wine. And to be honest with you, this is not a great rosé wine. And you don't really need one. I'll throw about two shots of the Smirnoff. I'll throw about two shots of this rosé wine as well combine the two and also just to balance it out at the very end i'll throw about the same amount of just orange peach mango juice and then i'll throw a shot at most size of lemonade the combo it is unbelievable the way that this thing works out and so i'm going to do this accordingly as we speak the first thing you've got to do though is do the vodka because you want the vodka to be absorbed by the fruit that you put in the cup and keep in mind this is frozen fruit we want it to be frozen so i already poured that shot right there that's already a pretty good length and you can see the coloring already changing uh and then the next thing we're going to do we're going to do the rosé wine throw that in this cup as well i have my vodka and i have my rosé wine combined i'm going to give it a nice little stir okay just get that combo there 
We're going to let it sit for just a moment while Derek talks about his drink, and then I'll finish the rest of mine. No, I love this. This is like, you know, Dusty's five-star bar over here. I'm just like <laughs> at Moe's Backyard Alley Bar. I just have a beer. Um, I've, I've mentioned this one before that it's a great summer beer, so I figured I might as well have it on. Lining Kugel, Summer Shandy. It is delicious. It is refreshing. It's perfect for the summer. Not something you want in the winter, but you're outside in the heat in the summer, whether it's, you know, you're mowing your lawn or you're doing yard work. We're going to be building a deck this weekend. This is a perfect beer for this. Um, and it's actually a screw off cap, which I guess shows that it's kind of a dainty beer, but it's delicious. So I need to know about the deck. What's, what's going to be entailed in that, that process of building the deck. Well, it is lots of wood, lots of uh, manual labor. And uh, hopefully the end result is a nice deck that I can go sit on in the summer and enjoy a couple of these lining kugels, enjoy maybe a glass of whiskey, get an outdoor TV out there and enjoy some uh, Giants baseball from outdoor on the deck. Well, I will uh, gladly take the invite, whether you invite me or not there. That, that is a place I will be headed very shortly. I have just poured in the lemonade as well as about roughly the same amount of orange peach mango beer. So keep in mind, there is more alcohol in this cup then there is actual juice. For those of you that are listening in, I've got a nice long bartender spoon here that I'm kind of just making sure everything's combined. One thing you got to keep in mind, okay? So the fruit is cold now. It will get warm rather quickly. So that just means you got to drink it fast, which is why this is dangerous. So I'm going to give it a nice little swig. Like I said, I normally put more alcohol in this. So my guess is this honestly will probably taste even better than what it normally does since it's not quite as strong. Well, that sounds fantastic. What would you give that in terms of like a player comp or like a, an action baseball play comp? Well, so it's sneaky. And man, I just took a sip and holy cow, this is stupidly dangerous. You can't even taste the alcohol. When you look at players that are kind of in the league this year that are kind of hidden in their talent and whatnot, I got to go to my man, your mean Mercedes. Um, there's a lot of talent there, and I feel like the league's not fully appreciating him. Part of the reason is he doesn't feel the position. And so, you know, with this, uh, you look at the fruit, and you might find that to be deceiving. You might think that the fruit makes it a girly drink until you realize that there's more alcohol in there than there is juice. And then when you actually figure out there's a ton of pack to the punch here, that's what Mercedes is too. There is a lot of power to his bat. Um, yes, this is a, the your mean Mercedes drink. Uh, the 2K21, um, and I honestly, I'm, I'm really nervous now about how this show is about to end because I might drink this really fast. I love that. I would give mine like a perfectly executed suicide squeeze bunt. It, it's not super flashy, and it has to be a situation. I said you can only do it in the summer. You can't do it in the winter. You can't do a suicide squeeze if there's not somebody on third base and there's two outs or something. But in the given situation – Perfectly executed, scores a run, everybody's happy. I'm All also right. buzzed right now after one sip. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if that makes you uh, spew any crazy takes here for our updated betting odds. These are according to Bavada in the MLB. The favorites right now, the only teams in single digits, so to speak, meaning it'd be like five to one or something like that. The Dodgers are three to one, the Yankees seven to one, the Padres are eight to one. This is kind of an interesting list and I get it. It's only been 35 or I guess, depending on what team, 32, 36 games per team so far. So still a lot of the MLB season remaining, but the Dodgers have been a little bit on a skid of late. Um, 
they already have as many losses this year as they did, I think, all of the 2020 season. The Yankees obviously had their slow start. They've kind of bounced back, but they're still only two games over 500. And then the Padres are kind of in the same boat. Like, they're doing well, but they're only three games over 500. Do you have an issue with any of these teams at the top? Yeah, I think I have an issue with probably the top two. Um, the Dodgers betting odds still at plus 300. Isn't, isn't that how they started this season, I want to say? Yeah. Those odds haven't changed at all, and this team has lost five consecutive series. I mean, how does that happen? How, if I'm a better right now and, and throw me in that equation because I have been, I'm looking at this like, okay, this is my time to take advantage of the other odds out there because if you've watched any Dodger games, that offense has not been consistent, and what's even worse is that bullpen. And you know as good as I do that in the playoffs, starting pitching is important. They lost Dustin May. And having the relief to come in late in games, to be able to be reliable, that's also important. They don't have one arm, maybe Blake Trinan, maybe, that you can trust in the postseason. There's nobody else in that bullpen. The Dodgers should not even be close to plus 300. They should be – I don't know if I would throw money at them being plus, you know, 1,000 at this point. I, I think looking at those top three, that's the one that frustrates me the most. The Yankees are coming back. They're, they're showing signs of at least – some sort of return back to what we expected. Uh, and the Padres, I don't really have a problem with it. I think we all knew they were going to be a good team. They're not totally performing like we, we thought they would, uh, but they still look better at least. And they've been playing better baseball than the two teams ahead of them. So I do think the Dodgers, that is way too high for me to want to bet on it. But I, I do think they'll be fine too. I know it is a little worrisome, but like 2016, for instance, 2016, their record right now, as of recording, is 18 and 17. In 2016, they started 18 and 17, ended up winning 91 games. They went to the NLCS. 2017, they started 10 and 12, so not a great start there either. They ended up winning 104 games and lost in game seven of the World Series to the Astros, which, as we know, is an Astros team that kind of has an asterisk on top of it, so they very easily could have won the World Series. I think they'll be fine. I do think you bring up good points about the bullpen. It is so hard to repeat for a World Series, so I wouldn't bet on that. I do think they'll still be a playoff team. They'll probably still be like a top two seed in the NL, but yeah, definitely would not want to touch them at plus 300. If they were, you know, further, if they were like plus 700 where the Yankees are, I'd be all about that, but not a three to one. Okay, that next tier of teams is the Mets, White Sox, Braves, A's, and Astros. Mets are 10 to 1, and then the Astros are 18 to 1. The White Sox, Braves, and A's are all kind of in between there. I'll start this one off. I, I kind of think the A's should not at all be in that list. Like, they have had a nice turnaround from the awful start to the season, but their run differential is minus 10, despite the 21 and 15 record. I don't think they're as good as the record. I think they're going to finish closer to a 500 team. I would avoid every bit of that 16 to 1. Yeah, I, I like that take a lot. And to be honest, what's that track record with Oakland? Have we really ever thought that that was a World Series contender? And and we have a couple times and they've completely faltered. So I think the track record just shows that they're not a team to trust. That's not a team I ever will bet on uh, unless that ownership magically changes or they move to a different city. Um, in that list, though, too, I – I'm having a really hard time with the Mets um, as high as they are. And part of that is because that division that they're playing in is just hot garbage. Now they have been playing better baseball lately heading into this day of recording. They, they are on a five game win streak and they're going into a series with Baltimore. So 
you would expect that that record will improve from 16 and 13. However, the struggles of Francisco Lindor, I think, are a legitimate concern. He's looked dismal every single at-bat. And with the bases loaded twice on ESPN on Sunday night, he struck out. So to tell me that this team is the best team in baseball or could win it all, I think that their best player needs to show out um, in order for that to happen. And on top of that, to have Jacob DeGrom getting hurt this week, and this is not the first time they've had a concern this season this early on about him. That leads me to be very concerned because if you have DeGrom out for even a short period of time, I mean, that is the best guy, the best pitcher in baseball. I don't know if I love the odds for the Mets. Out of this group, though, looking at the one that I would probably throw a bet on, I would have to say it would probably be the White Sox. I think that they're kind of showing, once again, what they're made of. Even without Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, they've been playing great baseball. They've been 7-3 and three in their last 10. Uh, and they kind of got a clear what looks like retake over the central. Um, the Royals had a dominance in that for a while there, and now I think they've kind of come back down to earth. It doesn't look like anybody's going to challenge them, really. And if they can stay healthy outside of the two major losses – I mean, they still look as good as any team in baseball. So I would consider throwing money at them, especially considering that rotation looks as good as it has. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that White Sox one. They have a plus 53 run differential, which is the most in the MLB. Um, and it's 20 runs more than the next best team. So I love that at 11 to one. They, to me, should be kind of where the Padres and Yankees are right now. And then the Braves at 15 to one. I liked them before the season. So I guess I'd like that again. I don't mind Houston at 18 to one either, because like I said, I think the A's are going to kind of fall off. Um, I think the Astros at that point right now, they're second in the divisions. If the A's fall off, they'd be first. They have postseason pedigree. They have a plus 33 run differential, which is tied second behind only the White Sox in the MLB. So I actually kind of like all three of those teams, but if I was having to put money on any of these kind of top two tiers, it would probably be something on the White Sox and something on the Astros. Okay, the next tier of teams that are between 20 and 30 to 1 or 20 and 29 to 1 are Boston and Toronto and Milwaukee all at 20 to 1. St. Louis is 24 to 1 and Tampa Bay is 28 to 1. Anything stick out to you there? Yeah, I mean, looking at this list right here, I would say to me, Boston, I would throw money at that immediately. I threw money at it, I believe, when it was four, I think 40 to 1 odds. In my opinion, I think Boston's the top three team right now in baseball. So the fact that their odds really haven't changed that much. That might be the one I hop at more than anything else on this list at this time. And actually, I really like this row. I, there's a chance I would throw money at every one of these teams except for Tampa Bay. I'm not a believer really in the Rays this year. Each one has a key piece that's gone off. You got the Blue Jays with obviously Vlad Guerrero Jr. turning it around. Boba Shett looks legit. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers pitching is as good, if not better, than any team in baseball. And the Cardinals recently have really turned it around. They had a rough start to the season. And now look, I mean, I think they've kind of been quiet about it, but eight and two in their last 10 games, their run differential at plus 23, which is by far the best in the NL Central. I, I think that the Milwaukee Brewers have to figure it out offensively. The Cardinals can always add a starting piece. They may be the place to go for Max Scherzer if they keep this thing going. I would put money maybe out of that group on the Red Sox and the Cardinals more than anybody else. Toronto seems 20 to one. That seems right for me. They were 10 to one just to win the AL before the season. So it seems about right. Um, St. Louis at 24 to one. That would be a good value bet. They have the best winning percentage in the NL. Boston has the best winning percentage in the AL. They're 20 to one. So you get on board with both of those. Uh, Milwaukee kind of piques my interest just because 
Like, if you get into a series with them, their starting pitching is going to be so good with Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta's had a breakout season along with Corbin Burns, and then you already had Brandon Woodruff. I just don't think they have the hitting. I mean, they're 12th in just the National League and runs scored unless Christian Yelich can kind of get back fully healthy and turn things on and maybe they make a move at the deadline, then that changes it. But as of right now, uh, I wouldn't want to bet on that 20 to one, even though I love their pitching staff. I probably one, wouldn't one thing, anybody here. Well, one thing that I look at too, with these picks and it's kind of what I mentioned with the Cardinals, you have to consider how many moves are they away from potentially winning a world series. And I, I think you're right on, you know, you hit the nail right on the head with the Brewers. I don't think that offense is necessarily one move away from being a competitive offense with the other offenses in the league versus the Cardinals have a pretty decent lineup. It hasn't been on fire lately, but all to me, I think is it could take one addition, like a Trevor story. Do you know how good that lineup will look with Trevor story in that? I mean, Trevor story will look good in any lineup, but I think the Cardinals have a legitimate threat uh whether it be acquiring story or scherzer at the deadline or maybe somebody a little less on either end but i, I think they have the pieces to be able to do something like that and in prospects and also you know that that management that front office will make moves to try and improve the team i, I think they're maybe one two pieces away from yeah being arguably the best team in baseball uh and, and part of that's because i just don't think there's a lot of great teams this year and so it feels more like any other I, – I don't think I've felt this in years, that this year it is up for grabs because the Dodgers have been so bad and the Padres have been so average so far. These are the teams between 30 and 45 to 1. Angels at 30 to 1. They're just 15 and 18. They have the third worst winning percentage in the American League. But, hey, it's only like – three games or something like that two and a half games out of where like the Yankees or Astros sit so not far out Minnesota's 33 to 1 they've been awful to start they're 12 and 20 uh Philadelphia's 35 to 1 they're a game over 500 then you have San Francisco and Cleveland those could be interesting both 40 to 1 the Giants have the second best record in the National League at the time of recording Cleveland has the fourth best record in the American League and then Cincinnati who's 45 to 1 they've kind of cooled off since their hot start but they're still 500. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a pretty obvious one, and uh, I'm guessing you'll appreciate this as well. I'm throwing my money immediately at San Francisco. That team is for real. That pitching rotation is legit. Johnny Cueto probably needs to figure it out a little bit after returning from the IL. He had a kind of a rough start against San Diego. But overall, the lineup has really put it together. Um, we kind of knew going into the season it would be a better team, but they've really figured it out across the board. And clutch hitting – uh, great starting pitching for the most part overall. Really impressed by Kevin Gosman, uh, Di Scalfani as well. I mean, they have the pieces that have kind of merged to what you would remember from 2010, 2012, 2014. I know it's not an even year, uh, but maybe that's just this new decade. Maybe the Giants just needed a new decade. It over to odds. Yeah, it's now an odd year for the Giants. I don't know. Maybe that's a new thing. And And so to look at what they have, it is a pretty scary lineup that – Hasn't even included some of their best prospects. I mean, if you're looking at their minor league farm system here, Elliot Ramos has looked pretty good early on. That's a potential call-up as well. I'm not quite sure. Derek probably knows more than I do about Luciano, where he's at in the development stages. But the Giants overall are a scary team with some pieces that could potentially come up too. 
Yeah, so I, I think uh, Elliot Ramos is going to come up at some point here in the summer, and that could be a big bone. Like you said, there's been – I mean, they've raved about him. He had a good spring training as well. Who knows if some of the other guys come up. But one thing that you've been mentioning was, you know, are you in a position to make moves for guys at the trade deadline? I think the Giants would be. They obviously have the money to do so to take on big contracts should they need it. Um so they'd be in that position. I don't think they're going to make the world series or win the world series or anything. I still don't even know if I'm buying that they're a playoff team, just because at the end of the day, I think the Dodgers and Padres will finish in front of them. And that makes it really difficult because then you have to get the last wild card in that, that situation. So I don't know if they'll even make it, but I do agree with you. A 41 value at this point, when I was looking up this odds, I, I, I figured they were going to be kind of where like St. Louis or Tampa Bay was going to be around that 24, 28 to one mark. So 40 to one, I think that's a value play. They've started the season hot. Who knows? Like I said, they have the resources that if they did want to be players at the deadline, if they did want to bring up some of these prospects, they could and maybe make it a little more interesting. Well, moving to that final group, uh, it, it looks even more different than, you know, what, what some may have expected at the same time, uh, you know, there's some common names there that uh, early on in the season, we kind of thought maybe they would trend downward. It's Kansas city and Washington at plus 5,000. Then you got the Cubs at plus 6,000. I think when you have 50 to one odds and 61 odds at this point, it's just a stretch of the imagination of could these teams potentially do it? You know, about two weeks ago, I would have immediately thrown my money at Kansas city I think that they've kind of returned back to earth and they've probably lost nine kind of, of 10. They played yeah. seven games last week and they didn't win a single one. Yeah, that's pretty pathetic. And, and I think that that's just a telling story that maybe this team just kind of came out hot and uh, now is back down the law of averages played in, uh, against them this past week. And maybe they're just a 500 team or below, but uh, the other teams there don't stick out to me at all as teams that could even have a chance to make the playoffs if I was ever even thinking of throwing a buck, it would be going to Kansas City. But, yeah, not even going to trust the Nationals or the Cubs. It is crazy the Cubs are 60-1 to or the Nationals are 50-1 to after we saw them two years ago win the World Series with an awful start. But I agree. I, I wouldn't touch either one. How about the, I guess, ultra-long shots group? Miami and Seattle are 100-1. to Baltimore and Arizona are 200-1. to Pittsburgh and Texas are 250-1. to Colorado is 400 to one. Detroit's 500 to one. Dusty, you put a hundred dollars down on Detroit. You're coming away with what? $50,000. If I put a hundred dollars down on Detroit, I'm losing a hundred dollars. I think that the best move to make here, because I actually do like one of the bets in this group here. I, and Derek can attest to this. I don't know what it is about. Okay, wait, me. I know who you're betting on and you know who I'm betting on. Yes, that's a pretty fair statement. Okay, I'm going to take yeah. a guess on who you have first. Wait, on the count of three, you say who I'm betting on, I'll say who you're. Three, two, one, Seattle. Miami. Yep. You okay, it. well, you Miami. got that right. Yes, the Seattle offense slowed down a little bit. Um, Ty France has definitely cooled off big time, uh, which is disappointing. I know Derek's really disappointed by that. Specifically, he had him in our fantasy baseball league and had to make the move to drop him. But oh, it is sad because he looked really, really good. But uh, I think that the Mariners' offense is still one of those that is a little bit underrated. Uh, I like that Mitch Hanniger is there kind of at the top of the order. I think Kyle Lewis will figure it out moving forward. And then having Kellenic come up too, I mean, that guy could be as good as any player in the league. Uh, he is going to be something special. 
I think that he's going to be a legitimate threat to the league to be one of the best players in all of baseball. And so to have him in that lineup immediately, you know, when he gets called up, this team could immediately change back to what it was when it started out. They looked good. They looked really good to start out the year. And I don't think that that was a facade. In fact, you know, between this line of teams versus the Royals and Nationals and Cubs, I'm a little surprised, honestly, that that those three were ahead of any of these teams. I would pick the Mariners over this bunch big time. And um, I, I just think that the Mariners have a lot – uh, you know, of talent there. And it is definitely not been an organization that has proven they can win in the playoffs because they can't really ever get there. But uh, I think that this team has a lot of decent pieces that could potentially make a surprise here in the second half of the season. Okay. I'm all about the Marlins. They're 15 and 18, which isn't great, but they have a plus 20 run differential. That's actually fourth in the NL. They are third in the MLB in runs allowed so clearly they are good at run prevention with that pitching staff and it's not even complete right now they're doing it with a great start to his uh, I mean he he played a little bit last year but basically his career because this is technically his rookie season for Trevor Rogers Pablo Lopez Sandy Alcantara have both been really good and then you even have like Elisa Hernandez uh injured right now you have the fact that Sixto Sanchez hasn't come up I think this team has all the pitching you would want. They had some playoff experience. They won a series last year. The hitting is, uh, it leaves a lot to be desired. But if they can just get enough, Jazz Chisholm comes back, Starling Marte comes back, and they lift that up a little bit. They sneak into a wild card spot. You get Pablo Lopez on the mound. He throws a no-hitter in the playoff game, and then they just never give up any runs the whole playoff series with that. See, I thought I was right about the Marlins. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back and say I got that right because if you can't tell already, Derek is quietly a Miami Marlins fan. I know he's got the the new logo and everything on a hat somewhere hidden in his Kansas house. It's probably going to be hanging out on the deck uh, that he builds this weekend. Okay, but yeah, I would I would throw a couple bucks at 101. All right, let's get on to our shotgun six-pack. This will be our short, quick answers speed round. Number one, we're getting too many no-hitters. Wade Miley with the latest. You can't ever have too many no-hitters. It is a little concerning, though, considering that the MLB, I believe this is the lowest average they've had since the early 1990s, or not early 1990s, early 1900s. Uh, I want to say as of Saturday, it was an average of 237, which is ridiculous. Um, that just leads me to believe that this stat cast era is teaching these hitters to drive it out of the ballpark or strike out, and that strikeouts are okay. And that's why these no-hitters are happening, because instead of having an approach to hit it to right center field and try and shoot the gaps and get base hits and steal bases and lay bunts down, we're just swinging for the fences, hoping we can get the nice three-run shot after a walk or two. And that's the problem with this. So I don't think there's a problem with no hitters. I think it's the problem with the hitters. 100% agree there. The MLB average right now is insanely low, which we'll get more on in a second. Number two, players should be able to make their bat any color they want. Obviously on Mother's Day, they can have like the pink bats, which got me thinking. If, if they want to make it orange, they want to make it blue, they want to make it purple, let them do what they want. Yeah, I mean, for me, if I went out there with the purple bat, I feel like people would make fun of me. So I don't know if I like that necessarily for the confidence of the players. You know, maybe a guy goes out there and hits with a purple bat and gets booed because it's a purple bat. I, I, I don't want to feel bad for the players because they're getting judged on the bat colors. <laughs> Number three, Jordan Alvarez is a top five hitter in the majors right now. It, it is a push to say top five. That is really difficult 
when you're in the league with Ronald Acuna Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., I still think Mookie Betts when he's healthy is. I, Juan Soto may be the best hitter out of any player in the league. Um, that would mean that Jordan fits in number five when I'm not even thinking of other, other players. I mean, Jordan is definitely one of the hottest hitters in baseball right now, but it, it, it's going to have to take a little time for me before I can sit back and say he's top five. I would say he's easily a top 20 hitter, and he is – closing in on a top 15 I don't know if I want to go any further than that yet I mean he just mashes Jeremy Frank who's on Twitter at MLB random stats uh, tweeted this out and this is what got this on there over he has played 116 MLB games and in those 116 MLB games uh, which means over the last 116 MLB games played he has the best OPS in the MLB point zero zero one better than Mike Trout. He is one of three with an OPS over a thousand. It's him, Trout, and Soto. So Yeah, I also missed Mike Trout on that list, which uh, I was just thinking of good young talent. How about Mike Trout? I think I need to see him be healthy before I, like for a full season maybe, before I can really make that a determined statement because that's, that's big. We're also not including, you know, Freddie Freeman in that group. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been hitting really, really well and has a lot of potential moving forward. Boba Shett does too. There's just too many names for me to, you know, take this early sample size. We, we know Jordan could hit for a while. Maybe the Dodgers didn't because they literally traded him for a relief pitcher, Fields, if you remember that. Uh, that was arguably one of the worst trades that they've ever made in that organization's history. Uh, but, yeah, Jordan's really, really talented. I just don't think I'm going to push to the top five yet. Number four, the Texas Rangers, who are currently 500 at the time of recording, only a minus four run differential. They've won seven of 10 games. They're not going to end up being sellers at the deadline after all. You know, I will say yes to that. And part of the reason why is because even if they do lose more games here, like I expect them to, I don't really know what pieces they would sell off. A lot of the pieces they have right now are young, controllable talent moving forward. You have Willie Calhoun that has been hitting pretty well since he got back from the IL. Nate Lowe has looked legit. I don't see why they would trade him anytime soon. Uh, Nick Solak has been unbelievable at the start of the season. There's only so many pieces that I could see that could make a push, but I don't think anybody's going to come out and say, man, Mike fulton is the answer to our season, you know? So it, for me, it's really difficult to say that they ha- even have the pieces to sell. Joey Gallo would be the one. Uh, in that group in my opinion and so it's a matter of do the Rangers see Gallo who's still a really young guy uh, as a cornerstone or do they see him as a temporary piece that sure could net them a couple prospects if you declare the Rangers a selling team by selling off Gallo then maybe but outside of Gallo I don't even think whether they win or lose however many games that they're going to be sellers of the deadline number five Evan Longoria, who's hitting 281, 385 on base right now, 12 extra base hits in 30 games for the Giants. He should be an all-star, and he is currently the Giants' best hitter. Uh, You know, every team is supposed to have one all-star. Now, the Giants have a rotation of guys that that should potentially be considered for being in the all-star game, in my opinion. I I think based off the way they're pitching, they have three legitimate players that that have a case to at least make it to that all-star team. Regardless, though – when you're looking at the offense, Longoria has had a great season. This has been a comeback player of the year season by a mile. Um, I, I think that that award could almost just be handed to him now. Uh, but, yes, with the numbers that he's put up, 
to me, that those are all-star numbers at a position that third base really hasn't taken off a ton statistically. Um, there, there have been some decent plays there, but for the most part, it hasn't been a dominant position like it normally is offensively, uh, especially in the National League. So, you know, you look at it, Nolan Arenado probably generally will get selected there to be the starter. Um, that, that's kind of how it looks like it'll probably be. But Longoria coming in as a backup at third base, I don't see why that can't happen. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think as far as their best hitter, right now it would probably be Buster Posey because he's just – he's on fire. But he is on fire. Who knows how long that will last because I think part of it is that he has fresh legs. So over the course of the season, uh, with him not playing last year, over the course of the season, maybe that goes down a little. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year we look up and Evan Longoria is the best hitter. He's at his best OPS plus of his career at the moment. He is lighting up. If you go to, like, his baseball savant page, there's a bunch of red on there. Um, so yeah, he's, he's been pretty awesome. I don't know if he'll be quite all-star worthy, but like he's fourth in the MLB in average exit velocity. He's like in the top tier of things with uh, a bunch of expected numbers, uh, batting average on base, slugging, barrel rate, walk rate, all this stuff. So it's been pretty cool to see, uh, the resurgence that he's had and how the trade that the giants originally made to get him, it was looked on like, Oh, they're just trying to kind of hold on to something, and, and make maybe one last run with this older core. And why would you do that? And now all of a sudden with like a new team, he's still kind of productive. So it's kind of cool. To Posey see. hasn't had a ton of at bats this season, but my gosh, and as of the day that are recording his on base percentage is nearly 500. It's at 471 and his slugging is 760. He's only at 75 at bats. As Derek mentioned, he has fresh legs. It's a long season, but eight home runs. And a 400 average, I mean, maybe but you got like two to three comeback player of the year awards right on the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, Anthony DeSclafani, like, I mean, all kinds of guys. Okay, uh, number six, last one, conspiracy time. This kind of goes back to the no-hitter thing. The MLB deadened the ball this offseason on purpose to lower averages and batting and scoring runs so much that now – we as a general public would have no choice but to accept them moving the mound back. You know, it's, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. And Derek constructed this conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> let me throw that out there first. This is, a, this is a Derek conspiracy that I actually can kind of get on board with. Here's my problem, okay? We are working so hard at trying to make the game better when it was already the most perfect game it was before Rob Manfred decided to budge into this system and ruin, you know, a perfectly great game. The, the younger era does not love baseball. And that's a sad truth of the matter. They, they just, they can't get over the fact that it's a slower game, that it's timeless. And unfortunately, the older generations appreciate the idea of timelessness. And for the younger generation, they'd rather be stuck on their phones. I, I don't think changing mound distance or deadening the ball is, is helping the younger generation get into this game anymore. If anything, I mean, watching all these no hitters, they're trying to, you know, it, it, it almost ruins it. You know, it, it almost ruins the idea that, you know, hitting a baseball, it's hard. And, and so there should be success where success is earned. And I don't want my future children growing up thinking a no hitter is not a big deal. Um, and, and I think that these four performances of this past year were legit. Uh, it's, it's crazy that they all happened so early and it leads me to believe we're probably going to see a perfect game at some point this season. It just feels like that. Um, especially if the ball is dead and that conspiracy though, you know, the MLB does want to push it back and they're trying to experience experiment a bunch. 
How about the one experiment we actually need, which is getting rid of the umpires and throwing robo-ups out? That is the one that we need, and it's what the people want. It's not what the people are just, just want. That's what the people need. We don't need the mound pushback. We don't need the dead and ball. Give us umpires that can actually call the game right. Uh, but in my opinion, I mean, Derek's conspiracy is not the worst thing I've heard today. Yep. And that might be the Fiji Juice talking to me at this point. Down to a 234 average league-wide right now. For instance, 2019, the last full season, it was 252. If you go back to 2009, it was 262. That kind of speaks to, to like the difference of the game where you're kind of more so going for home run and power. But still, it's – I mean, a league average OPS right now is 702. Uh, most years it's around 740. So, yeah, uh, it is – definitely dead into the offense and it would not surprise me if that at all all right that's going to do it for today's show it is closing time here don't forget to subscribe to us and give us a five-star review we're on itunes google podcasts podbean amazon audible you can follow us on social media at booze and baseball you can reach out to our email booze and baseball at gmail.com thanks to mix kit for the stock music thank you to man cave merch for our awesome coasters i might have to get me a new one with kevin gossman card uh in the middle of it Drink responsibly and have a good one for Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Adios. Take care.